Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Eric Nolene. This is the state of the program brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Each and every week, Eric and I uh, try to talk about uh, the larger perspective uh, of the University of Texas and its football team. Uh, Eric, the Longhorns coming off a loss to Oklahoma over the weekend. Uh, now, uh, the five and one headed into the bye week. But, you know, if we take a really a, a step back and look at it from a global perspective, 90% of the people figured Texas would be at best five and one mm -hmm. uh, at this point in the year. Uh, what, what are your thoughts overall the first six games of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the loss on Saturday was uh, disappointing. But when you when you take a step back, which like we try to do on the show is, uh, you know, look at the bigger picture. And, and yeah, a lot of people would have signed up for five and one. In fact, that's what I picked heading into the season. You know, you and I both picked uh, five. And, yeah, we picked 11 and one. And I think you thought your first first loss would happen in these first six games. I did as well. Um, so, you know, you, you like where they're at. The, I think ESPN has them as the toughest uh, schedule so far this season, number one in the country as far as scheduling goes. And that makes sense after having to play Alabama on the road and then uh, an undefeated OU team. Uh, Wyoming is 5-1. and one. Their only loss is to Texas. Um, you know, Kansas is good. But going forward, the road gets a lot easier. Right as Texas, I think, is starting to find a groove on offense. And, and uh, you know, they need to get healthy. So the easier the schedule right now, the better. I think there's a good chance for them to build up momentum and, and uh, hopefully face OU again. You said oh, you, uh, Texas, according to ESPN, had the toughest schedule through the season's first six games. Is that right? Yes, and then projecting forward, I believe it's number 46. So obviously just looking at it, you know, you've got U of H coming up. Uh, K-State's been – it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch, but, you know, they've had some issues, um, especially the quarterback has turned the ball over too much. Uh, Iowa State is not great. They, they do pose a threat, though. You know, that defense does uh, give Sark, Sark a little issue. Um but, yeah, you know, Texas Tech hasn't set the world on fire. So they're, they're not gimme games, uh, but there's not that huge marquee game where you're thinking uh, Texas won't be favored. Texas is going to be favored, you know, maybe by double digits in pretty much every game going forward. Uh, talking about that in the, the first half of the season, uh, Eric, I think it's interesting. You wrote an article for InsideTexas.com uh, on Tuesday that I wanted to go into a little bit. You ranked the top six players for the first six games of the season. So – basically the first half of the, the regular season, uh, you came up with a top six, uh, and it went something like this. I want to go ahead and just list them out for you. Uh, you ranked Tavondre Sweat, number one, Jade Barron, number two, Byron Murphy, number three, uh, Jonathan Brooks, number four, Xavier Worthy, number five, and then Quinn Ewers, number six. Uh, talk about why you chose those guys ahead of, uh, ahead of others. Obviously, production plays a role. Uh, but, you know, why why Tavondre Sweat? Let's start with this. Why is he the best player so far this year, in your opinion? Well, I think he's been incredibly consistent. You know, he came out playing with his hair on fire against Rice, and he's been good ever since. Uh, he's just been a lot more consistent than we've been in the, in the than he's been in the past. We've always known he's had tremendous upside, uh, but now he's playing like that with much more consistency. Uh, you know, I did that list before I even went and checked, uh, you know, for any of the metrics on him. But PFF has him as the number one graded player on the team as well. I, I found that out after the fact. Um, but I think, I just think he's, he's getting after the passer. He's playing the run. He's commanding double teams. He's making life easier for everybody on the line, including Byron Murphy and Byron Murphy makes it easier for him too. Now there's, a, you know, it's a mutual, mutually beneficial, but to me, he's the most awesome force uh, on the team right now that has to be accounted for on pretty much every play. Now he did get neutralized a little bit here and there against OU. Uh, but overall through six games, he's been incredibly, uh, incredibly consistent and at times dominant. Both he and, uh, uh, to both he and Byron Murphy were neutralized, I think, against OU. Uh, and that leads me to a guy that you didn't put in here. 
And I want to ask about Jalen Ford, the the second team – or not second team, but came in second last year for Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. Uh, has two interceptions already uh, this this season. Uh, but he did not make this list, and that's kind of surprising and, and should be based on where he started out this year. Yeah, you know, I didn't have him in I didn't have him in the top five this year, I don't believe. It, probably around five or six, I think. Um yeah, I think he was, uh, you know, he's definitely made some good plays. Uh, he just disappeared too much in the OU game to, for me to put him in there right now. I mean, he's had that, uh, you know, he disappeared. He, he, even though he accrued a lot of tackles last year against Washington, he not, did not play well. Um, tackles can be a misleading stat depending on where you're making the tackles. If you're making it downfield, they don't count nearly as much as if you're making them close to the line of scrimmage. Um, and, you know, he's just disappeared. He disappeared on Saturday and struggled quite a bit. Um, I think that's probably got a lot to do with game plan. He must not have feel, felt uh, comfortable with, with that going in. Um, but you know, we'll see, he'll bounce back and, you know, I, I bet he's going to pick off a couple more and finish with the same total he had last year and, and, and he'll bounce back and probably be a top five player by the end of the season. Got it. Uh, obviously the, the clear surprise of this group, if you were to start the season, I don't know that anybody would have put Jonathan Brooks in the top five players on the team preseason yet. Here he is. You, you rank him number four. He's number two in the country right now in rushing, uh, number mm -hmm. one among power five conference running backs. Uh, and Sark is leaning on the, the junior from Hallettesville. Yeah, you know, we, we do this a few times throughout the year where we list the players. And, um, you know, my sources are like, well, just list whoever the running back is. If it's going to be Jonathan <laughs> Brooks, uh, list him. If it's going to be Cedric Baxter, list him. That was my, I, you know, I listed Brooks top 15 coming into the season. And I'm not surprised he's having a breakout. You know, we predict that throughout the offseason. Uh, but then it was surprising when he didn't get to start uh, versus Rice. You know, so we, were, we had to recalculate a little bit. But, you know, he's um, he's not just a product of the offense. He's not just a product of, you know, the offensive line getting him some room. He gets He's getting a lot of yards after contact. Uh, he's getting a lot of yards by by breaking angles and ankles. Um, he's showing more power than uh, he's seen in the past. And even on a five-yard run, a lot of times he probably would have got three last year. And so he, he's as dominant uh, in the first three quarters as he was in the fourth quarter mop-up time uh, coming into the season. He's having a stellar year, and it, this is durable. It's not some fluke with him. He's been doing this uh, whenever he gets his opportunity. And I think he's justifying why a lot of us was, were surprised that the true freshman was getting the start against Rice. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just a, a great story, in my opinion, uh, Jonathan Brooks. I, I, Eric, uh, the, the last two, five and six on this list, Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers. Boy, I, I tell you what, if you're my, – my take on this is if you were just grading the last three games, Quinn Ewers might be one or two on this list. Sure, yeah. And because – he did not start off with his hair on fire. He played well against Alabama, don't get me wrong, but uh, certainly Rice and uh, Wyoming left a lot to be desired. But, boy, Baylor, Kansas, and then OU. Oh, yeah. uh, take away that first quarter against OU, and uh, I'm not so sure he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, my, my next article is going to be about how the offense is poised to explode over the second half of the season, not just because of, you know, the competition is, is dropping off a little bit, but also because of the trend line that they've been on uh, since conference play started. You know, he started that Wyoming game. He, he struggled. That was his worst game of the season. I think he was like 11 for 20 or something. It was just uh, it was just a really rough game. He was inaccurate, uh, off kilter. And then uh, once once conference started, he's been playing very well. Um, you know, I had a couple of unfortunate uh, turnovers or a few unfortunate turnovers on Saturday, but then he just he made up for them the best he could. <laughs> He's been on fire in the mid-range game. Uh, you know, that's always been his strength. His accuracy has been, was there even last year. Um, and I think him and Xavier Worthy are, you know, have a chance to finish, you know, one or two, one and two on this uh, if the if the offense explodes like I expect it to. 
I want to get into that in a second and also talk about what we think Texas might be able to fix uh, over the next uh, six weeks uh, of, of regular season games. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy, the Lowy Law Firm. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job, Adam and his team have been helping injured Texans for decades. Give him a call at 512-280-0800 or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. If you do either of those two things, he'll give you a free consultation, completely free, no strings attached. Give him a call, uh, and Adam and his friend and his uh, folks will give you a free consultation. Uh, that's LoweyLawFirm.com or 512-280-0800. Adam and his uh, team uh, really focus on results for their clients. Hey, Eric, uh, talking about fixing things, you know, Red zone efficiency. They're 11 of Texas, 11 of 24 right now and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, they need to get healthy. They need to do some other things. What, what, what are, what are some of those things that you think they need to, that they actually can focus on and correct uh, easiest as we go forward the next six weeks? Well, getting healthy just requires time. Um, you know, it doesn't matter the injury. If you have enough time to get right, you're going to get right. And, so, you know, a lot of these injuries aren't debilitating uh, season long. <clears throat> you know, I think uh, Cole Hudson should be back for U of H. Jake Majors is going to be back for either U of H or the following game. Uh, and I think that's going to help out a lot. I, would, I wouldn't think twice. If, if Hudson's healthy, I start him at left guard and keep DJ Campbell at right guard and uh, focus on getting that run game going, especially inside the five-yard line, uh, where I think they're giving up way too much ground. I think that was a huge problem with uh, on Mon on Saturday with uh, Connor Robertson coming in. <clears throat> you know, he, he played admirably, but he's just out, man. He, he doesn't quite have the strength, the experience, uh, especially in goal line where, I mean, he's got, you know, he's got 900 pounds lining up across from him, one in front and two on each side. Um, you know, that's a lot for somebody with his, his inexperience and his, his lack of time in the, in the weight room. So uh, I think, I think just getting healthier, I, I think DJ Campbell's really starting to find a stride uh, as a run blocker. Still makes a mental mistake here and there, but, if they can get Cole Hudson in there, which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried, or if Cole Hudson can go at center uh, in place of Connor Robertson, if Jake Majors is out for U of H, I think that's going to at least bolster, bolster things that, from what we saw on Saturday. Um, but, you know, they still have to figure out, I, I, you know, I would, I would go with more with Xavier Worthy. Honestly, I would target him even more. Um, you know, last year he caught 59 balls on 116 uh, targets, and that is, that's an abysmal rate. That's terrible. It's going to be hard to find a worse rate than that. But this year it's 34 catches on 44, 44 targets. And he's a very good intermediate and short route runner. Uh, he can create space and confined places. Um, and I would, I, you know, I, would go to, I would go to him more often uh, inside the 10-yard line. You know, don't feel like you have to run it in uh, from the one every time. It, you know, you can score from the 18. Um, and so I, I would look at passing it in uh, from a little further distance. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on it and I don't want to hindsight what Sark is doing. I, I thought the fourth down, uh, sequence was a little off, but I understood what he was trying to do. Um, maybe it's just a small sample size and some bad luck of late, but I do think they need to get healthy and, you know, they're, they're working on it. They are problem solvers. Uh, they're going to get it right. It's just a matter of, can they do it before it costs them another game? That's that's, and that would be devastating for a team that looks like they have as much talent as, as Texas does right now. I was going the way, they're moving the, ball between the, the way they're moving the balls between the twenties is insane. So we're not, we have not seen the full offense unleashed, but it's only because of what's happening in the red zone. I, oh, here's a, here's a reality of it, Eric. And I, and I did this this morning. I 486 yards per game for Texas. Yeah. That's the most yards per game. Texas has put up. Uh, it actually more, most yards per play. Texas has. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Put up since the 2005 team. Texas is averaging 6.9 yards per play. The 2005 team with Vince Young, Jamal Charles, yeah. I mean, all those guys, um, uh, Quan Cosby, they were averaging, right, Raymond Taylor, they were averaging 7.1. 6.9 is yeah. more than what they averaged in 2008. They've punted in, once in the week. last two. They've punted once in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sanborn only has 14 punts on the entire season, I believe. So yeah, he's on pace for like 28 punts. In, in the yeah. And you know, some of that is turnovers, but the turnovers are, you know, the defense picked them up on on Saturday for the most part on turnovers, but that's just keeping them from accruing even more yards because it, it's not like they were going to punt. The, the turnovers didn't save from a punt. This turnover saved them from stalling inside the tent. Yep. Uh, question for you on this. Uh, you mentioned this, and, and we think about it each and every week. Uh, Texas offense and Quinn Ewers, I think, just getting started. You mentioned Xavier Worthy. Uh, may I thought we saw something from Gunnar Helm on Saturday that we hadn't seen at this point in time. Uh, you know, along with JT Sanders needing to be healthy, I still think, like you do, that this offense, the best – of it could be to come. Uh, another thing we got to keep remembering, this is Quinn Ewer's first time seeing a lot of these different looks he's seeing. I mean, so they're reacting and getting going in game and uh, having some success. I, 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 I'm like you, I think the offense still has more. The thing that I need, I think needs to be fixed though, is red, red zone efficiency. They, they got to get better in the red zone because right now here's a stat for you that I wanted to point out and get your thoughts on it. Burt Auburn is 12 of 17 on the season. Mm -hmm. Forget the – I mean, he missed some, yes, all this other stuff. But the fact that he's attempted 17 field goals in the yeah. first six games, obviously with 12 regular season games, you double it, that comes out to 34 attempts in a year. 34 attempts, that's an NFL number. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and not only that, Eric, it's the most that Texas has ever had. The most yeah. Texas has ever had is a 1999 effort from Chris Stockton. And so that is a – it's two things. It's, it shows, like you said, Texas is moving ball, the ball between the 20s, but it also shows they're not getting in the end zone. Yeah. So they're, they're on pace for probably the, probably the fewest punts in program history and the most field goals. That, that <laughs> tells you quite the story. I mean, it's not going to end up that way because I do believe Sark is going to get it fixed. And some of that's a function from, you know, playing lesser teams. But, uh, yeah, it could, it could end up being the story of the season is what happens in the red zone. And, and if, if they fall short because of it, that would be uh, that would be quite the surprise. But I do think uh, getting the inside uh, run game going more consistently, uh, getting the guard play uh, up to speed, I, I think they'll be all right. I'm, I'm not super worried about it right now, but it is something that needs to be addressed. Um, all right. Uh, talk a little bit about recruiting in the portal. 
uh, right now, not just the portal. I, Texas offered another, made another scholarship offer yesterday to a 2024 uh, player, uh, Alex Foster, uh, mm-hmm. out of Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, he's committed to Baylor. Baylor's AD just came out uh, this morning and said, "Oh, I've talked to I've talked to Dave Aranda about his Yeah, uh, you never want to hear Chris Del Conte saying that uh, I've talked to Steve Sarkeesian about his defense. That, yeah. You don't, the, the AD doesn't need to be saying that. And that maybe gives you a sense of where that situation may be going down the line. But they, they've offered the defensive lineman out of Mississippi. They offered a safety uh, out of McKinney that's committed to Florida, Xavier Filsame. Uh, they also offered another defensive lineman out of Miami uh, as well that's committed uh, right now uh, to Auburn. Uh, coaches are on the road beginning tomorrow, I believe. So yeah. high school, co- Texas coaches, uh, because they have the bye week, can get out on Thursdays and Fridays and go see games. Uh, have you any insight right now on what they're thinking behind the scenes with recruiting? They've got, what, 18 commitments, I believe, right now. Um, how many more do they have to go? Everything about it. Well, you know, they're going to keep going until it, as long as they fill needs but also don't reach. There's that that tension between addressing a need but also not reaching, and you know, because they can always go to the portal or, or, you know, the team is deep enough at some positions they could kick the need down to, to the next year. Um, you know, in past, with past staffs, I would not feel great about a lot of late evaluations, um, but with this staff, I'm actually quite encouraged. The, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi, uh, him being committed probably, is probably why I thought of uh, Gabe Hall at, at Baylor, the talented player from Waller. He reminds me of him, but he's more athletic than Hall. And if you can get a Gabe Hall or, or even more talented Gabe Hall, late in the cycle, you're going to jump for joy over that. He would be a, a great uh, fill-in for uh, for Dominic McKinley. And then, you know, going after the safety, <clears throat> that makes sense. You know, we've, all, we've talked long about their uh, approach for taking corners first, and then guys can become nickels, and, and then uh, eventually they can become safeties. But that lag has created a bit of an issue at safety uh, with, you know, they haven't dressed it uh, with direct safeties enough. You know, B.J. Allen didn't quite hit as soon as they, as they would have liked. Derek Williams was probably a cycle late, even though he's coming on very strong as a true freshman. You would have liked to have that uh, t- that type of talent in the program the year prior. So I think that lag between guys going from corner to nickel or nickel to safety has created a bigger need at safety than we probably realized. And, you know, if they can get Xavier, keep him in in, uh, in Texas. I think he's originally from Florida, committed to Florida. Florida's going to have some issues, which, of course, could help him with Wardell Mack, uh, who Texas is going to go see uh, this week. Uh, you know, it, it, they're, they're just they're working on addressing needs and they, they don't reach. And, you know, proof that they don't reach is that they stay on the guys that they missed the first time. Wardell Mack, Corey Gibson, those sorts of guys. Um, I like where they're at. Uh, they just have to keep winning and, and keep building relationships and and play all the smart angles. And, and the class is going to uh, they're going to address all the needs they, they need to. And if they don't, uh, then you got the portal. Uh, interesting. Uh, Kobe Black, by the way, out of Waco Connolly was at the Texas OU game. Uh, he is considered a Texas lean uh, at this point in time. Uh, also, Ryan Wingo, the wide receiver out of St. Louis that Texas continues to court. He's also a five-star. Uh, Longhorns and Missouri thought to be the top two uh, there. Uh, Eric, before I get your predictions uh, for the rest of the season, and that's what I want to do, I want to say thanks one last time to our sponsor. Uh, that's Adam Lowy over at the Lowy Law Firm. He and his firm have been helping injured Texans for decades. If you've been injured on the job or in a car wreck, give Adam and his, co- his firm a call for a free consultation. 512-280-0800 or visit them at lowylawfirm.com. Again, a free consultation if you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job. Uh, Adam and his firm focus on results for their clients. Predictions for the rest of the way. Longhorns 5-1, and one, Eric. 
your thoughts right now on where Texas ends up uh, in the next half of this season uh, before any Big 12 or before any uh, Big 12 championship or before uh, any uh, any uh, bowl game as well? I mean, I've got to pick 6-0 and oh the, the rest of the way. I picked 11-1 and one at the beginning of the season. Um, I think on when we did it, uh, I should clarify for people that saw us on State of the Program, I believe I picked 10-2 and two when I did the show uh, with you, Rod, and Paul. Yep. Um, but after hearing about Milrow being the starter at Alabama, I switched to 11 and one, uh, had them beating Alabama and then a probability loss, uh, throughout the rest of the comp, uh, throughout the rest of the schedule. And, uh, you know, my thinking right now is OU was that probability loss. It took a lot for Texas to lose that game, but credit, credit to OU. I'm not trying to take anything away from OU. They went out and <laughs> punched UT in the mouth. I felt, uh, that was an amazing game. Just an amazing, as a college football fan, I had people texting me that I hadn't heard from in years going, wow, this is a great game. I go, yeah, I'm here right now. Um, it was just it was just a sensational atmosphere. Um, but, I, yeah, I've got them going, going, uh, winning out the rest of the way. The, the only uh, question is, you know, are they going to give themselves margin of error or if they keep struggling to, to convert touchdowns, uh, maybe they let a team stay in it, they can steal one late. Yeah, they need to score touchdowns also. Scoring touchdowns does another thing that, that people don't even think about. It allows you to get young guys on the field earlier to yeah, and, and right. build your depth a little bit more. So there's a lot of value in that uh, beyond just W's and L's, which obviously is the most important factor. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking with Eric Nolling, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Eric, the, 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 if you think Texas is 11 and 1, uh, they're obviously, uh, almost obviously, going to be in the Big 12 championship game, most likely against a, an Oklahoma or, I mean, who knows at this point. It's got to it's be Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, it's, Oklahoma might drop one that they shouldn't. Uh, again, a probability loss. You know, they're, they're better than we, what we expected coming in. But um, they, 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 they should be on a collision course. If not, somebody really messed up. Yeah, well, I was going to say this. I mean, Texas, you made a comment that I, I think was is, is pretty strong. Look at all the things that Texas did wrong, and they still lost by just on a last-minute drive. Now, there are some things that OU did wrong, too. I'm not – so I don't want to take – to your point, I'm not taking this – a win away from Oklahoma. Not at all. Yeah. Think of all the things that went wrong for Texas, and they still had a chance to go out and win the game against what is expected to be the most difficult team they'll face the rest of the season. So a lot of things, to, to your prediction point of 6-0, and a lot of things might have to go wrong for Texas to slip up uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the national punditry and uh, the rankings and all that, Texas didn't really get dinged all that much for that loss. And all the teams ahead of them are going to gonna play and, and take losses. Um, so, in a sense, not a lot changed. You know, as long as they uh, continue to win out, they, you know, they took away their, their own margin error from a win-loss perspective. Uh, so that did change. But, uh, if you know, they're in control of their own destiny to a large degree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Eric Nolene, publisher, InsideTexas.com, uh, joining us. And uh, we appreciate him. Uh, coming on, Eric and I both write for InsideTexas.com. If you're a uh, a not a subscriber uh, to Inside Texas, give us a chance right now. We have a special going on uh, right now. We can get two months for just one dollar if you use this special code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. Make sure you mark down. It has to be the monthly offer only. That's two months for just $1. Uh, Eric, uh, before we get going here, any final thoughts uh, for the state of the program and where you think people should, where their heads should be at halfway through this season? 
Well, I mean, do what I'm doing and do it what the team is doing and take a bit of a mental break uh, because that was, uh, you know, that that especially, uh, you know, finishing with that game against uh, Oklahoma took I think it took a lot out of the fan base. Mentally, I think a lot a lot of people are exhausted. I know the players are, you know, Sark himself is, is using this week to get a lot of uh, second and third team players reps in practice, sort of resting the starters. So uh, if you're a big fan of Texas, uh, act like a starter and get some rest this week and then get ready to regroup next week with uh, OU. Got to go play Cougar High in Houston. Yep, you got it. In Houston, uh, Longhorns match up with uh, Dana Holgerson's group. All right, uh, that's Eric Nolene, publisher, Inside Texas. I'm Bobby Burton, and that's been this episode of State of the Program brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Hook them.